discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, isn't it? These are principles that work. They are timeless principles. They are principles that the Lord has instituted. That is why we do them. We don't do confessions because it is a ritual. It's one of the things that uh, we do when we come to church. You know, it's very, very important you have understanding concerning it. Hallelujah. What you see is what you get. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death. Say death. And life. So death is in your mouth. If something happens to you, you, you hit your leg against something, you say, hey, me woo. You are killing yourself small, small. You woo very soon. Hallelujah. You keep saying things like, I don't know if my life is even going to work. <laughs> you are killing, you are destroying your life with your own mouth. The Bible says that the one who does not offend in speech is mature, it's perfect. Your maturity as a Christian is dependent on two things. The level of your love, not how much you pray, but the level of your love for, 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 the, for the saints, the expression of your love for the saints, and your speech. Your speech, what you say. Do you see? How you speak, how you talk, so important. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Next verse. But strong meat belongeth, but everyone that you said milk is unskillful, the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. For, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Strong meat. He's talking about the word of God. The word of God is in classes. There's the milk of God's word. There's the meat of God's word. The strong meat of God's word. Do you see? Same Bible, but it means different things to different um, levels of maturity. As you grow in the Lord, it makes a deeper impression in your heart. So it says, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Have you seen it? Now, I want to show you. Look at this in the Amplified. Let's read from verse 13 into 14. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and, and, and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness. Of conformity to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action. For he's a mere infant, not able to talk yet. 
He's a mere infant, not able to talk yet. So there's a spiritual language that you must have. If you are growing the Lord, it ends up affecting your language. It affects your speech. You can't say you are growing the Lord and you are still saying certain foolish things. It doesn't work. We know your maturity by what you say. How you interpret life with your speech. Something bad happens. I don't know what's going on. Every time bad things are happening to me. Have you forgotten you're a child of God? You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Whatever happens is working together for my good. So instead of saying, I don't know why every time bad things are happening for, to me, say, all things are working together for my good. Makes no difference what it is. The lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I'm anointed of God. No, no worries. I'm not worried at all. My life is getting better and, and greater. I'm going higher and higher. Instead of saying, since I, since I, I arrived on this level, I have, I have not changed. Nothing is working for me. Everything I touch is not working. Don't talk like that. We catch you and get to know where you are by your speech. There's a spiritual language. Paul said, and I, brethren, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you. I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. So there's a spiritual speech. I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk. Eh? Next verse. verse. Verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Have you seen it? So in this place, he's showing you there's meat. There's the meat of God's word. There's the milk of God's word. There's the meat of God's word. And then there's a the strong meat in the other place. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were unable to bear it. Neither yet are ye now able. Next verse. For ye are yet carnal. For us there is among you envying. These are signs of immaturity. If you're a Christian and you are into envying, envying your brother, envying your sister, fighting your brother, fighting your sister, fighting unnecessary battles, it is a clear sign that you are immature. Envying and strife. Do you understand strife? Who knows the meaning of strife? There are three things you need in order to be able to have a successful Bible study. Number one is your Bible. Number two is your notebook and your pen. Number three is a dictionary. Hallelujah. In the Bible, you must have different versions. If I'll add a it's you. You must be available. <laughs> so four things you need to be able to have a successful study by study in, in the word. Number one is what? A Bible with many versions, isn't it? Number two is what? A notebook and what? A paid attention. You need to give your attention to what you're reading. You can't read it like a newspaper or else you never remember anything. If you make an effort to learn the, the word, you would know it. If you don't make an effort, you will not know it. Yeah, but if you make an effort to know, you, it will be inside. The word will be inside. It will just come. When you start talking, that as you are talking, it's like, ah, this scripture pops into your mind. Now that scripture pops into your mind. The Holy Spirit is there to remind you of the things that you have been taught. Yes. And when it starts working with the scriptures, it starts working with your academics too. The Holy Spirit starts reminding you of academic work. 
all the things you read. You see, my wife is a medical doctor, eh? and she's, she's done her, her seven years. She, ha, she has done the three years. She's, she's, she's a specialist, do you understand? And she's doing her fellowship. This is the highest. Okay, this is the highest. She's doing her fellowship. Now, if you, my wife can read and go and write the paper. And I'm wondering what time she learned, what time she studied. Because me and her are around, we are, we are around, we are flowing. She's going to work, she'll come back, we are flowing, we are going here, we are doing this, we are doing this. She'll say, well, I want to read small. And she will read, she'll read slides, many slides, maybe 40 slides or 50 slides or something. And go and write the paper and pass. She's just reading, like she's reading, she's reading, she's reading, 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 and she's catching everything. Can you imagine? I told her you were a shark bow. Yeah, because she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to do much. She, I've never seen her keeping her legs in water before. Or putting, what, broom, broom on the eyes like that. I've never seen some before. Yeah, because what she reads, she's reminded of by the Holy Spirit. And she depends on that. She depends on the Holy Spirit. No, it's serious. I've seen her write tough exams. Wild exams. <laughs> wild exams and I, I saw her preparation and it wasn't killer like as she's reading she's depending on the Holy Spirit to remind her of what she's read I am here to see her fail a paper and I've known her for 16 years or so 16 years 2006 till now how many years is that 15 years Ah, so I was not right, I was not wrong. About 16 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm yet to see her fail a paper. It's always passing, always passing. Some Christians don't think the Holy Spirit can remind them of anything. So they, don't, they don't study with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they don't, study, they don't have the Holy Spirit inside their minds and in their hands. As I'm studying this, in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, remind me, I'm committing that which I'm lending to you. Remind me in due course. You are just studying. Three plus five is equal to eight plus. <laughs> you have lost, I tell you. So there's a spiritual speech. Say there's a spiritual speech. Yes, there's a way to talk. Okay? Talking the word. Allowing the word of God to take dominion over your heart and over your mind. Division, strife. So we're looking, we're looking for strife. What is the meaning of strife? Thank you, Pastor. Angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues. Angry or bitter what? Disagreement. Disagreement over fundamental over issues. Over fundamental issues. There's something wrong with your brain. You're a Christian and you're into strife. Angry over every little thing. Every small thing. <laughs> I just saw one of our, one of our sisters here. Now, this sister was doing something for the Lord, okay? This sister is married to somebody. And the one she's married to was involved with somebody else in the church some time ago, many years ago. That person's friend. You, you the bab, or you know the bab. So this young man is married to this. Let's say I'm married to my wife. And I used to date uh, mommy years ago. Do you see? Uh-huh. 
Mommy's friend is the lady behind. What's your name, my dear? Angela. Do you get it? Angela. So they, they were dating a long time ago. Years ago. And then we cap. Now I'm married to this woman. We are all in the same church. So Angela saw my wife doing something with, for the Lord, and she was supposed to come and report to the person. Angela was supposed to come and report to my wife. When she came and saw that my wife was the one doing that particular work, she got angry and started fighting my wife because I broke up with her friend years, about five years ago. Do you, understand, do you understand what I'm saying? You see, that person is a very foolish person. But, ah, that is, it is clear, it's a clear sign that you were a baby in your, you were a child. Can you imagine a person was a pastor? The person was a pastor. So, pastor, you can have the name pastor, but you were a baby. You were a baby. You have big diapers on your big bottoms. Bottoms. Uh, yeah. You're a big baby. How can you be fighting about something as fundamental and as nonsensical as this? She's fighting, disrespecting the lady because ooh, your husband went out with my friend five years ago and it didn't work. So I am now, I have now come after five years to come and fight for my friend. Ah. I wish she was here, I would have slapped there. Babies. Yeah. Strive divisions, causing divisions, saying things that brings divisions. Do you know that this person did this? Hey, so if, you are, if you are the kind of person who talks about ancient things, like things that happened in people's lives so many years ago, and then you are still holding on to those things and you are discussing with people, you are, you are crazy, there's something wrong with you. Trying to cause divisions. You don't know they are causing divisions. You are causing divisions. And this person did this to me. How many years ago was that? Four years ago, she did this to me. Ah, four years ago, you have graduated. You have done first degree in this problem. Hey. Hallelujah. Tell me, but don't be like that. Don't stop being a child. No more prolonged infancies, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 14. Look at Ephesians 4.14. Message version. He says, no prolonged infancies among us. Please. Have you seen it? No prolonged infancies. You have been an infant for so long. A spiritual infant. A spiritual babe. For so many years. Same problems. Same troubles. Same challenges. Same issues. Five years. You have done first degree, you are doing second degree in the problem. The, what you used to get angry over are the same things you are still getting angry over. Ah, what is wrong with you? Someone did something to you some three years ago. You are still three years ago. <laughs> One day, someone was talking about, a certain man of God did something against me. Are you listening to me? A certain man of God I know somewhere did something against me. Very painful. And when he did that thing to me, I was talking to the Lord. You see, I didn't talk to people. I, I, I talked to the Lord when something bad, someone does something. I talked to the Lord to find out what he has to say about it. Whether I have a right to be angry about it or I don't have a right to be angry about it. Do you understand? You don't just become angry. Ask the Lord before you become angry. 
When you ask the Lord, the Lord says, be angry. Then you be angry. Yeah. And the Lord says, be angry and sin not. It's in the Bible. It's scripture. So he can tell you, be angry. React. Sometimes something can happen and God will say, why are you not reacting? React. React or else they'll take you for a fool. React. Yeah, you need to, the Lord needs to be the first point of call. Not your emotions. When something happens now, hey, am I the one I'm talking to? Um, Allah, you don't know me, eh? You will mention Allah. You will not say Jesus. You will mention Allah. Because you are coming to fool. So I asked the Lord, what's, what's all this? And God told me that. This is what God told me. He said, this is an opportunity for you to rise to a higher level or to fall to a lower level. I said, what are you talking about? He said, when someone does something to you, and you don't forgive the person, what you are doing is this. You have kept yourself on a certain level. The person can ask for forgiveness from me in his closet without you being there. And I will forgive him. And he will continue with me whilst you are still holding on to your grudge. So you will not be promoted. But he will be promoted, even though he's the one who did that to you. He will apologize. He will apologize to me in his closet. You don't know anybody's personal life with the Lord. Maybe what you are holding on to, the person has asked for forgiveness from the Lord, but not from you. <laughs> and it's fine with Jesus Christ, and you are not fine. Do you understand? Yeah. When someone tells you something about somebody, it's an opportunity for you to go higher or to go lower. How you handle information makes all the difference. So I'm sharing concerning God's pattern for carrying out the ministry. God's pattern for carrying out the ministry. Say God's pattern for carrying out the ministry. Hallelujah. So there's a pattern. Say there's a pattern for ministry. There's a pattern for carrying out the ministry. Okay? There's a pattern for carrying out. There's a due order. We all know we are called into the ministry. How many of you know you are called into the ministry? I spent a lot of time on that. Just to help you understand that. Now, now that you know, there's a way to do it. There's a pattern, there's a way God has designed for it to be done. If we do it any other way, it doesn't work. Are you seeing it? If we do it any other way, it doesn't work. There's a due order. If you don't do it in the due order, you have trouble. Okay? So if you read in 1 Chronicles chapter 15 from verse 1, you see something that happened with David. David was trying, prior to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Chronicles 15, David was trying to bring the Ark of God, the Ark of Covenant, into, into Zion, into Jerusalem, where he was living. So David was trying to bring the Ark of Covenant, but something happened, and somebody died. Who died? Who died? Uzzah. Someone called Uzzah. Two people were... They put the Ark of Covenant on a cart, like a big wheelbarrow, like Abuboya, uh -huh. Abuboya, with wheels just like Abuboya, uh -huh. but with a flat surface. So they hooked it to the bull or to an ass, uh, a donkey, an ass, also known as a donkey, hallelujah. <laughs> they hooked it to the donkey, and the donkey was pulling it, Okay. One gentleman called Ahio was in front of the donkey, leading the donkey. Another gentleman called Uza was behind the donkey, behind the cart. Okay? As they were going, they got to a certain place. And when they got, they got to that place, 
the cat shook because the place was stony. It was a stony place. And when the cat shook, the Ark of Covenant almost fell down. So Uzzah, in, a, in his good, you know, in his efforts to keep the Ark of Covenant from falling, because the Ark of Covenant is precious, so he wanted to keep it from falling. He touched it in order to put it in its right place. And when he touched, as soon as he touched, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against him. And the Lord smote him, or the Lord hit him and he died. That was the end of his life. And David was surprised. God, what are you talking about? We are bringing you, we are bringing you to Jerusalem. And you are killing us. The Bible says David was afraid of the Lord from that day onwards. He was not happy at all. He was not happy at all. Now, the Ark of Covenant had been in a certain man's house, Abinadab. It's been, it had been in his house for 20 years, over 20, actually it was 22 years. Because Saul, Saul never thought of the Ark of Covenant. Saul, he never thought of the Ark of Covenant even once. The Ark of Covenant was taken during Eli's time. Someone was a small boy when it was taken. And it was returned after some time. It went to the Philistines. The Philistines took it. It went, they took it from city to city, and the Ark of Covenant was giving, killing many, many people were dying and all of that. So they decided to bring it back to Israel. So they are the ones who put it upon a cart because they didn't know how to handle it. And a donkey drove it into Israel, and they kept it in a certain man's house called, a certain man called Abinadab's house. And when Saul became king, he never, he never looked for it. So he had been there for so many years. So many, many years. So David was bringing it into Jerusalem, where it belongs. And he had pitched a tent for it, a nice place for it. And he had plans of building God a, a, a temple and keeping the Ark of Covenant in there. So he had a lot of nice plans. And God said, no, doing it the wrong way. But God didn't give him, speak a voice to say that you have done it the wrong way. He had to go and read the scriptures for himself. So he went to read the scriptures and found out, and that's what I want to show you. Okay, First Chronicles chapter, do you have Bibles? First Chronicles chapter 15 from verse 1. I'm seeing almost everybody's phone, everybody's Bible on their phone. Wow, you people, you are supernatural. I'm wondering how you read your Bible. Are you able to read your Bible? And what do you do when you want to do So you use a hard copy. Okay. You put it on flight mode. For how long? Because one of the things you need to study your Bible is attention, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So when you're reading your Bible, your, your, your phone is on. And then... The girl you are chasing texts you in the morning, ping, ping, and you see Abigail texting. Hey! You realize that you have forgotten about Jesus Christ. First Chronicles 15, from verse 1. Anybody to Pastor Eli? Hallelujah. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God, of God but the Levites, for them had the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. Verse 3, And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place, which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites, of the son of Kohath, Uriel the chief, and his brethren, and hundred jump to, and Jump to verse 11. Verse 11. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 11. And David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, and for the Levites, 
for Uriel's, for Asaiah, and Joel, and Shemaiah, and Eliel, and Amidab, Aminadab, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye might, you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Verse 13, for because he did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us. Hallelujah. Did you hear it? He says, for because you did it not at the first, because you are not the ones, because the, the Ark of Covenant is, it belongs on the shoulders of the priests. It doesn't belong on the cart, on a new cart. Whether it's golden or made of brimstone, makes no difference. It is meant to be on the shoulders of the priests. So he called the priest and said, Come and carry it, for because you did not do it at, at the first, the Lord God made a breach upon us, for that we sought not, we sought him not after the due order. Have you seen it? We did not seek the Lord, so you can be seeking the Lord, but not after the due order. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be, you can be praying, but not after the way God wants you to pray. That's why a lot of people pray for a long time and nothing happens. And they say God has... Uh, God takes a long time to answer prayer. It's not true. You are, pray you are not praying the, in the due way. Am I pressing some buttons in your life? There's a due order. Say there's a due order. There's a way for things to be done. <laughs> when it comes to prayer, for instance, there are different kinds of prayers. To start with, there are different types of prayers. Which one are you using? There's a prayer of thanksgiving, where you're just thanking God. There's a prayer of faith. Well, you make a declare, you make an order, and you stick to that order, and give thanks for it. You understand? You pray that something should happen by faith, because of what God has said, and then you stick to it until you see it happening. And all you do after ordering or praying your prayer of faith is to give thanks, pray the prayer of thanksgiving. Whenever that thing comes back to your mind, you thank God, Father, thank you that this thing is done because I made requests for it many, many months ago, and I know it is done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. And then you continue like, when it comes to your mind, hey, it's not coming up. Thank God. You don't make a new request. When it comes to your mind, when it comes to your mind, hey, Father, this thing, I don't know if it will even come to pass. Okay, let me, let me pray again. Father, by faith, I receive this thing in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. If the order was coming from America and had gotten to uh, Nigeria, the shores of Nigeria was coming. You just canceled that order, you have reordered from America again. Hey! It's amazing, oh. You see, and God is a God of principles, it is His wisdom. That is the wisdom of God. Everybody has their wisdom, Echo Bank has its wisdom. No matter how how need need how in need you are, if you want to get a loan from Echo Bank, there's a due order to go through. If you like, don't go through. You don't get a loan. Now your brother can be the head of loans in Echo Bank, and you are hungry. He knows that you are hungry. You need this loan, or else you are going to jail. You need it in three days. He can't change the order. He can't fast track it for you. You need to bring your house something to prove that you can pay back the loan. You need to go to the doctor. Every, there are principles they've laid down. That is their wisdom. Nobody can cross it. Is it true? Uh-huh. God, Echo Bank learned it from God. God is higher than Echo Bank. God also has principles. 
And no matter what you do, if you don't meet the requirements, you can cry to death. You will not have your results. What do you think? That is why as a Christian, you must learn the word. You have to learn. You have to listen. You have to hear and know exactly what to do for different situations so that you can get your results. Okay? Yeah, or else you, you, can be pray, you, you can pray, you can somersault, you can do whatever. One man of God was telling me on, uh, on Friday that he was driving through a certain town and he saw a meeting happening, a prophetic meeting happening, and everybody there was holding cutlass. Cutlasses, plenty. One cutlass for one pro- per problem. Do you understand? One cutlass for one problem. So if you have five, you bring five cutlasses. So he was wondering what was going on. He saw many people with cutlasses in the meeting. Ah, what is going on? They said, oh, this prophet, it's a direction he has. He has given. They do it regularly. Every now and then they bring cutlasses to come and cut issues and cut people. You can cut as much as you want. You can use it to hit the floor and... You can do whatever you want to do. It's not part of the principles. What do you think? God is a God of principles. That is his wisdom. For instance, preaching is his way of educating his children. Preaching and teaching is his way of educating his children. That's what he has chosen. He didn't choose dreams and visions. And no, no, and he didn't do any of those things to educate his children. He says you should let, if you don't hear, you will, not, you will not have things happening. The way to believing is by hearing. And the way to hearing is by hearing a preacher. That's what he has chosen. That's, that's the due order. Are you seeing it? So when it comes to ministry too, there's a due order. God has put an order there. If we do it, we'll succeed. If we don't do it, we'll not succeed. Please, does it make sense? Do you order? For you did it not after the due order. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 10. This is David giving his son Solomon instructions before he died. He was giving Solomon instructions concerning the temple that was supposed to be built. The temple that was going to be built had been seen by David. God showed it to him by his spirit to reveal to him what was supposed to be where. He told him the measurements of everything, just like God showed Moses the pattern of the tabernacle of old. The tabernacle was old now, and we're going to build a temple for the Lord. Now, the dim- every dimension was given by the Lord. So he says, this is David talking to Solomon. Take it now, for the Lord has chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Next verse. Then David gave to Solomon his his pattern, the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof of, and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner palace thereof and of the place of the mercy seat. Like he gave him pattern for every single thing. Go to verse 19. All this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. Have you seen it? I don't know if you are seeing it. Read it to me, one, two, go. Maybe I'm not seeing it. Even all the works of his past. Let's read the, ampl- the Amplified. The Amplified will bring it up a little bit more. 
All this the Lord made me understand by the writing, by the writing by his hand upon me, all the work to be done according to the plan. According to the plan. All, all he, there's another one that says that his spirit, what his spirit revealed to me, it's in the verses, one of the, one of the verses. I don't know if it's another version, but it's one of the verses. Yeah. The Lord revealed it to him. And he did, Solomon did it according to the revealed pattern. Okay? Hmm. Have you found it? Okay. Verse what? Verse 12, right? Okay, let's look at verse 12. Yeah. And the plan of all that he had, he had in mind by the Spirit for the courts of the house of the Lord. Have you seen it? By the Spirit. The Spirit of God gave it to him. Gave him the pattern. And Solomon had to follow it to details. And when Solomon finished building everything, the Holy Ghost came. The, the, the glory of God filled the whole temple. When Moses also finished doing everything according to the set pattern, the Holy Ghost, the, the glory of God filled the, the tabernacle. Same thing. So sometimes if you don't do it according to the pattern, according to the set pattern, you don't have the presence of God. You don't, you don't, you don't experience what you're supposed to experience. And then you're wondering what's going on. It's because you didn't do it according to the pattern. You can pray to be healed for a very long time. If you, don't, if you don't apply the scriptures concerning healing, you will, not, you will not have your healing. You will die sick. Hello? Yes. If you don't apply the principle concerning prosperity, you will die poor. You can pray for money till you die. He says give your tithes. And he didn't say give it in January and continue in December. Miss February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, then you pay December. No. He said, give your time every single month, every single week. That is the laid down principle. If you, you skip it, you are, you are going to be in poverty. I'm not cursing you. I'm just saying the truth. I'm, I'm not, am I cursing you? No, I'm not cursing you. I'm just saying it, that's how it is. That is how it is. Hallelujah. Give your fights, give your offerings, give your seeds, give your first fruits. Give, give. He says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking, on, shaking unto you. Hey, shaking together. Running over. Someone, someone was quoting that scripture and said, give, and it shall be given to you. Press. Is that what? Good measure, and then you press. Hallelujah. According to that, this, this is the confusion in many Christian homes, though. And so, younger people in the home don't believe in the Lord because it's like our, our parents have believed in Jesus for all their life. They've been poor since. This man who does not know Jesus Christ is even rich. This gambler is rich. This cocaine dealer is rich. This one who is doing this one is rich. So, me too. I'm off. <laughs> have you seen some before? Yeah. Because most of our parents did not, they, they did not, they were not taught, first of all. They were not taught to start with. Those who were taught did not take it seriously. Those who took it seriously did not apply it the way they were supposed to apply it. Yes. Yes, that's the truth. That's the truth. David said, I was young and I'm old. I've never seen a righteous man beg for bread. Neither has children begging for bread. Never. It's not supposed to be like that. If it's happening, you rise up and you say, no, it's not supposed to be like that. What do I do, Lord? <laughs> Many Christians were taught fellowship with the Spirit. They never used it. 
They never used it. The Holy Spirit is here. They are here. Inside them. The Holy Spirit is inside them. But inside them, the Holy Spirit is here. And they are here. Yes. No fellowship, no communication. Their success is sitting right inside them. And they circumvent to talk to other people. Yes. Don't be like that. Be smart. Yes, you use the word of God and become strong to help those who are helpless. Do you understand? Yes. You can, you can be a Christian for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. You will still not have some things happening. Because you don't know. First of all, you don't know what you're supposed to do. When you find out, you don't do it. You feel it is one of those things. You know, there are those who feel that the word of God is like one of those things. Uh-huh. So even when you are being spoken to, us, <laughs> we'll, do what we, we'll do what we can do. If you know it is your last chance, you will pay more attention to it. Because it is your last chance. That is what will change your life. Without that, you can't change. There's no change without the word of God. Hello? Should I say you order? Say they said you order. Say it again. One last time. Sunny, come and sit down. 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 So the pattern of the New Testament is church in the temple and church in the house. I was telling you, isn't it? During the MC service. This is, the, this is how God has designed for us to grow. If we don't do it like that, we will not grow. Would you want to see the house of God fill? How many of you are here to marry? Lift your, lift, lift your hand if you are here to marry. One of the benefits of a big church is that you have options. Correct options, of course. You get correct options. You, when you pray about marriage, you don't need to pray like, Lord, Father, give me somebody. Give me, give me, give me, give me. When there are a lot of people in the church, you pray like this, Father, thank you for my beloved. Thank you that as I open my eyes, I am seeing, as I watch and pray, I'm seeing what you want me to see. Thank you, Father, that I don't miss my destiny. In any, when the people are not many, you start praying in a certain way. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Lord, my beloved Lord. <laughs> That's how you pray. The, the due order is for the church to be full. When the church is full, you will not, your type will be around. Hallelujah. Your business. All these human beings, they are shoes. They, they need shoes. Your business is inside the growth of the church. When the church grows, you have a certain kind of customer base. That's the truth. Is it true? If you decide to bottle water and sell, and decide that you're going to sell it to us, we would also decide that we'll buy from you only. And only us. If we are 3,000 here, you have 3,000 customers from here. Just supply us. Every week be our supply. And then go and look for your other customers from somewhere. People don't know how powerful the church is. So if you build the church, eh, it will end up building your life. You will be surprised. You won't ask for it to come. So the due order is that we must make sure the house of God is full. And how has he chosen? What is the order he has chosen? He's chosen, us, he's chosen to use small groups. Small, small groups. You in charge of a small group. The other person in charge of a small group. The other person also in charge of a small group. Called cells. I was explaining cells on, on Wednesday. A cell is the basic unit of life, isn't it? 
The way for your body to grow is, by the, is through the division, growth and division of, the, of your cells, the somatic cells, your body cells. If your body cells grow and they divide, your face gets wider, your nose gets bigger, your head, even your bones are influenced. Your bones are made of cells. You, you didn't have these big bones when you, were, when you were born. Your bones have grown over the years. Oh, you don't know bones also grow. How can you be a human being and not know that bones grow? What have you been thinking? Yes. Bones also grow. They have cells that grow. So they expand for you to have the expansion you have, you've had so far. So the small groups must increase over the, over the period. As they increase, then the church increases. We can choose to do it this way. Me, a superman. You all come, I preach to you. You all go, you come back on Sunday. You come back, you go and go and come, go and it will never be full. My preaching is powerful. But you'll be surprised how many of you are hearing what I'm saying. If you like, let me conduct a research right now. You'll be shocked how many people are really listening to me and are really understanding what I'm saying. I've been a pastor for at least 12 years. At least. I've been in church for a very long time. When I realized I was in church, I was six years old. When I realized, hey, this is church, I was six. I received the Holy Spirit when I was 12. Started speaking in tongues when I was 12. So I've been around for a long time. I've passed 30 long time ago by God's grace. Hallelujah. And I know church. I know church folks. Into brackets. Sometimes you can close from a service eh, and I ask somebody, what did you learn? The person will say, you quoted a scripture from 3 Corinthians. 3 Corinthians. Someone, someone actually said that. Someone actually said that. Yeah, someone actually said that. After MC meeting, he asked, what did you learn? He said, oh, pastor quoted a scripture from 3 Corinthians. He has written a new letter to the Corinthian church. 3 Corinthians. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. But one of the major things people will say is this. Uh, no, no, no. The pastor said we should not sin. And that's when we sin, the Lord will not bless us. It's, it's like it's a, it's a major... It's a format. It's like no matter which service you go to, at least something will be said about sin. But I don't remember talking about sin to, today. I didn't talk about sin last, last Sunday. But if you ask somebody right after church, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, pastor said we should not sin. So this one, eh, what I'm doing, preaching to all, it's, it's one of the things that needs to be done. The other one is sitting down with people. You sitting down with somebody who has come to church and explain the thing to the person. You see, the Bible describes us as a flock of God's pasture. We are his sheep, isn't it? Now, out of the sheep, there are, are lambs. There are younger ones. Is it true? Amen. Even Jesus told, Jesus told uh, Peter, feed my lambs. He separated the lambs from the sheep. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said, feed my sheep. So they are sheep and they are lambs. The sheep are those who can feed from the grass. They can chew the grass. But lambs do not chew grass. They can't chew grass. Is it true? What do they take? They take breast milk of the sheep. So after the sheep has eaten, what I'm preaching is for sheep. After you have eaten the, 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 the grass that I'm giving to you, then you lie down quietly for the sheep, the lambs to come and come and feed from you. If that is not being done there, all our lambs will die. They will all be, they will all be stabbed. You will say, oh, but we are all chewing sheep. No, we are all chewing grass. No, they are not chewing the grass. They have to take milk from you. 
So you chewing the grass, okay, and turning it to milk for them, is very important. Without you, the thing can't work. And that's how God has chosen for the thing to be done, for you to be in charge of somebody, for you to be working on one person or two people, you. Check your neighbor and say, you. So in the, Old, in, the, in the Old Testament, we see it. Jethro came and advised Moses. Tell, don't, Moses was counseling everybody, standing and counseling everybody. It wasn't going to work. Ministry is a burden. Do you know ministry is a burden? Exodus 18, 18. Look at it. Exodus 18, 18. He says, you will surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Moses was sitting down and counseling everybody, three million people. Everybody will come and they will say, okay, you don't fight, do this. He was counseling everybody, solving their problems all the time. Jethro came to him and said, listen, you will wear yourself away. You will wear yourself away. Go up, you will see where it says it's a burden. Exodus 18, let's look at 21. Go to 21. It's fine, go to 21. I don't want us to read too much. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them, to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. Next verse. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge, so that it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. They will bear the burden with thee. Ministry is a burden. Jethro described it as a burden, and God himself described it as a burden. Look at Numbers chapter 11, from verse 11. You will think people are hearing. You will think everybody understands it the way you're understanding it. You will think it's not true. They, they can't hear. That is why people can go to church for 10 years and still nothing is happening. Because it, it didn't go. It has never entered. As you are preaching, he will look at, he will, he's, he's looking at everything. Why is the light not brightening much? Why is the, why is the, uh, uh, the, why, this color is not nice. It should be blue. Why is it that the drum, the drums, I, why is the pastor wearing black? He should have worn white. You will be surprised. Have you ever, has it ever happened to you before? It has happened to me before. Oh, you, you, you are too righteous. It's good. It's good to be righteous, but don't be too righteous. Has ever, as the pastor is preaching, your mind drifts away. The last joke, the last joke the pastor gave is what your mind is still on after 20 minutes. Maybe I mentioned Abigail to your girlfriend, and you're like, hey, Abigail, my fino, yeah. Abigail, it's been a long time, yeah. After church, I have to call this girl. Maybe, should I text her right now? Let me text her right now. So as I'm preaching, you are thinking about Abigail. If the Lord has shouted what I'm saying is true. It's true. You'll be surprised. So someone needs to sit. Sitting and sitting and talking. It's so powerful. When you are seated in a small group, eh, the number of teachings I have given seated, it's amazing. Yeah, three people are with me. They ask me questions and I'm talking to them. It brings light to people, changes their lives. You two, you need to sit down, talk to one or two people. They are always with you. Yeah. Chat with them. Let them ask you, ask questions from you. And then you answer. Yeah, everybody. One person you are responsible for. Your own spiritual son or spiritual daughter. Wow, no do it. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because every human being is a burden. Someone whose problems you are committed to solving. Or the group, you are committed to solving the person's problems. Yes. You may be surprised that you may not be able to see me after a long time. You say you want to see me, realize that it is taking one month. Two months, three months. Yeah. But you can see somebody who is in charge of you very easily. If it is too hard, the person will text me and let me know, Pastor, this is what's going on. I'll jump to the person's rescue right now. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. Look at this. Moses was tired of Israel because the problems were too many. Too many things. I have to think about this, think about this one, think about this one. So many problems. And Moses said unto the Lord, why? Let's read BB so that it's simpler. Okay? King James is powerful, but let's read BB. From verse 11. And Moses said to the Lord, why have you done me this evil? And why have I not grace in your eyes? that you have put on me the care of all these people. He, he, he said God is doing evil by making him head over all those people. Three million people. Is he not supposed to be happy? If you have three million people, that's a mega church. Isn't it? Super, super mega church. Double mega missionary church. Three million people. That's a very big church. Every pastor should be happy. Isn't it? He was not happy. Because, yeah, because pastoral ministry is not happiness. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Everybody is a problem. Three million, one is a problem. Two, three. Yes, sometimes one person, you can divide the problems into 12. And you have to solve them one by one over, over a one year or three months period. Yeah, plenty of problems. Yes. So we shouldn't pray for church growth. No pastor should pray for church growth. Because if you pray for church growth, you are praying for problems. Problem. Ask your neighbor, do you have problems? What do your neighbor say? You have problems. Wow. So we are okay. We shouldn't be bringing more people in who have more problems, isn't it? But Jesus says no. He says bring, bring many. I want more people to come around. How are we going to take care of the more people? You will have to set your problems aside and solve another person's problem. As you're solving that person's problem, your problem will be solved. Hey! That's how, that's how it works. The first thing a shepherd must do is to set his problems aside. If you, do, if you carry your problem, you can't carry another person's problem. You set your problem aside so that you can help somebody. And as you are helping somebody, your problem is solved. You realize that your problem is not a problem at all. You realize that your problem is not a problem at all. That is what happens when you start talking to, you start getting to the lives of others to help them spiritually. You realize that you don't have a problem. That's what you realize. You notice that your, your seeming lack of money is not true. You are actually very rich. You will see someone who is so poor and does not deserve the P-O-O-R. It's only P-O. Po hey! You will see all those things. And it will grow you, it will develop you, it will mature you. That is, without that, you can't mature. Who grows up without responsibility? My mother, the last time my mother gave me money for anything, okay? The last time my mother gave me money was my, my wedding. Yes, she went, she took me to a bank 
and cash all the money they gave it to me as my wedding gift to go and help with my wedding. That was the last time she gave me money. But even prior to that, she was not giving me money. I was taking care of myself because I had finished school and I'd become responsible. I had to pay my younger brother school fees on a certain level, yes. I had to pay school fees and support him. I was taught to be responsible a long time ago. Any child who is not responsible is a bastard. Is it true? See, imagine if you have, you have given birth, you've had a child. The child is uh, 30 years old and he's still eating from your kitchen. When, you, when, when he comes home, you go and roam about her. When he comes home, Mama, Ma, remember who are you? Ma, where is my banku? Do you know why I spoke that? Okay, in the future you understand. Yeah, because it happens, it happens in the gas circles a lot. Oh yes, it happens. You will see a 30-year-old man coming home. He's 30. And he's still eating from his mother's kitchen. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not supposed to be like that. The normal thing is that you grow, you become responsible for yourself, and take care of your parents. Isn't it? Yes, you marry. You have your own children, you have your own family, you keep going. That is responsibility. Without responsibility, there's no maturity, there's no growth. If, the, if you're not responsible for anything, you are not growing. So it is part of our spiritual growth to be responsible for others. So have it in your mind, Claire. Don't say that, oh, there are churches that when you go, you just go, you sit inside, after church you go back. No, at this level, if you are talking like that, then there's something wrong with your mind. It's not supposed to be like, maybe you came in today, fine, you can talk like that. But if you've been here for some time, you know that it's not supposed to be like that. <laughs> all those who are doing that, all those who go to church and go and sit down and go back, are denying themselves of eternal rewards, denying themselves of here, rewards here. They are denying them. That's what they are doing. They're denying themselves completely. Don't worry about going to heaven. Are you born again? You are in heaven. Scripturally speaking, you're already sitting in heaven. You've, maybe you've known what I'm telling you today. You didn't know I'm telling you today. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Look at Philippians 3 20. Then we'll come back to this. Am I, am I blessing you? Can you? Let's read the Amplified. They will not understand it. Let's read the Amplified. So are you a citizen of heaven? Are you sure? The word of God is telling you, you are a citizen of heaven. That's where you come from. The word born again is to born from heaven. The Greek word is genau anoden. It means to be born from heaven. If you're a child of God, you are, you are, you are in heaven. Heaven is both a state and a place. It's a place we go to. It's a state we are in as well. We are born from Zion and hence dwell in the state of Zion. Do you understand? A madman, okay, is in the state of madness. So a madman can eat from the rubbish. He can sleep outside in the open. But you never see him queue to the hospital for malaria. Have you ever heard any madman contracting COVID since COVID came? Have you heard some people? Why? They are not dying. They are around. They are not dying at all. They are around. Have you ever seen a madman standing in, in, a, in a queue going to see a, a doctor because he has malaria? There's nothing like that. But he is sleeping in the open. You are sleeping in your bedroom. Spray the, you spray the place. You do everything possible. You put coil on. You put cloth on, yet the mosquito will bite your nose. 
And then in the morning, three days later, you are shaking like this. The madman is in a state of madness. Therefore, what is in the state of the normal does not affect him. So there's a state of heaven. There's a state. It's called the heavenly state. It's you put your mind on the fact that you belong to another state. Therefore, what affects this world does not affect you, and it should never affect you. That's the way to get out of COVID and get out of all those things. By allowing yourself to be in that state, keeping your mind on heavenly things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Look at Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, that's sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above heaven. He's talking about heaven. The word heaven is above. Where Christ is seated, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Have you seen it? It says, make higher things. Set your mind. Next verse. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. It's called heaven, a heavenly state, putting your mind on things above. I am of heaven. I am of God. Therefore, what is in this world does not affect me. The sickness that affects the people in this world does not affect me. Maybe you are born into a family that has a bloodline problem. Because you are a child of God, you are now in the state of heaven and hence belong to the fatherhood of God. So what affects your father, your natural father, does not affect you. Why? You are a child of God. You are in a different state altogether. Are you seeing it? Yeah. So as for heaven, you are already there. But how you, what you inherit in heaven is what is in question. Where you will be in heaven is what is in question. How you spend your eternity is what is in question. Not where you will spend eternity. If you are born again, where you will spend eternity has been answered. Now that you are born again, how you spend your eternity is what is under question. How? Will you be in eternity as someone who does not have any reward and hence does not God can showcase you as a trophy of his grace. Maybe some other time we'll talk about it. But do you understand what I'm saying? So all the things you're doing for the Lord, all the things you do for the Lord will be rewarded. Don't deny yourself. Okay? Tell him about don't deny yourself. Do something for the Lord. Take care of one. Share the burden. Because it is a burden. Yeah, I was telling you, God called it a bedding. Numbers chapter 11, 11. And Moses said unto the Lord, Bibi, why have you done me this evil? And why have I not grace in your eyes that you have put on me the care of all these people? Next verse. And I, I, I'm, am I the father of all these people? Am I their father? Have I given birth to them? That you say to me, take them in your arms like a child at the breast, to the land which you gave me, you gave by an oath to their fathers. Why? Am I the one who gave it to them? Next verse. Where am I to get flesh to feed, to give to all these people? Because at that time they were asking for meat to eat. Moses was not happy at all. He says, I am not able by myself to take the weight of all these people. It's a weight, it's a burden. They can just say burden. For it is more, it is. For it is more than my strength. It is more than my strength. Next verse. If this is this, if this be to my, if this is to be my fate, put me to death now in that, in answer to my prayer. If I have grace in your eyes, and let me not see my shame. He said, God, it was sending God to kill him. Next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, send for seventy of the responsible men of Israel who are in your opinion. 
who are in your opinion, men of weight and authority over the people. Make them come to the tent of meeting and be there with you. Next verse. And I'll come down and talk and have talk with you there and I'll take some of the spirits on you and put it on them. And they will take part of the weights of the people off so that you do not have to take it by yourself. So God called it a weight. Let's, let's read King James. King James says it because it's burden. And I'll come down and take with thee, talk with thee there, and I'll take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. So this is an old principle. It's not supposed to be the man of God alone, or the pastors alone bearing everybody. No. You must also bear some. The ministry comprises of certain four, four basic things. Prayer, visitation, counseling or teaching people and interacting with them. Prayer, visitation, counseling or teaching, and then what? Interaction. Bishop Dark calls it PVCI. And everybody can do it. Can you pray? Have you ever prayed in your life? Then you are qualified for the ministry. Have you ever visited anybody in your life? Have you visited, visited anybody in your life before? Ask your neighbor, have you visited anybody in your life before? What did the person say? You'd be surprised some people have never visited anybody. But you will learn. <laughs> Visitation. Counseling. Giving people counsel. That is sitting with them and teaching them. Feeding them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, in the, old, in the New Testament, they also adopted the same thing. So, they put their church in groups. So many people were coming, but they put them in groups. So, they, apart from having that meeting in the temples, they had temple meetings and they had house-to-house meetings. Okay? House-to-house meetings where people, individuals in the church, would sit with others, talk to them, share the word of God with them, find out their problems, be part of taking care of others. You must take care of others. As you grow up, you realize that if you have younger siblings, they tell you, take care, of the, take care of this one. Take care of that one. It's part of it. That's how it is. You have to be responsible for somebody. Same with the spirit, the things of the spirit. As you grow in the Lord, you, are, you have to take care of others. It's part of it. Did you ever sit behind a child for the child to be able to sit before? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I remember sitting behind some of my nieces and nephews. Yeah. My oldest, the oldest niece I have is 31. Yeah, she's 31. That's my first, my first, uh, out of all the nieces I have, she's the first. She's in the UK. She's 31. I remember clearly sitting behind her as a very small boy. Very, very small boy. I was just, they would tell me, sit behind her so that she doesn't fall. That was my responsibility. And I'll be there. Hey, then you bring her back. It was fun. Responsibility is fun. It is. Sometimes it's not fun, but then you do it anyway. Because you consider the consequences and then you say, mm, I have to do it. Your father says, my friend, what the car? I'll be back. When it comes, sometimes they even beat you for your own things you are supposed to do for your own self. Some of us were not into washing. The boys. You don't like washing your own clothes. Is it true? You don't like cleaning your room. Is it true? You come, when you get home now, you remove your shorts, 
and then you throw it somewhere. Move your shirt and throw it somewhere. And you wear a new one, a new one. And then you go and do whatever. You go and play. When you come, you move that one too and wear another one. No buffing. The legends. Do you know the legends? When you are coming home, you are so dirty. There's no difference between you and the ground. You look the same. Yeah, some of us were beaten for not washing our own clothes. Respon- they are teaching responsibility. Is it true? Yeah. Yeah. Same with the things of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the, 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 the children of God in the New Testament bore the burden. They helped bear the burden. All of them. And I want to show you some scriptures. I showed you some on, on, on Wednesday. I want to show you some more today. Acts chapter 16, verse 40. Look at Acts 16, 40. I read this on Tuesday, on Wednesday, I mean. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose hearts the Lord opened. And she attended unto the things which, we, which were spoken of Paul. Isn't it? Now go down to verse 40. Go to verse 40 now. Acts 16, 40. It says, and they went out of the, of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. The same woman, the woman who received the Lord, was now, she had opened her house for the disciples to come in. So they were having meetings in their house. It says, and they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. The brethren were in her house. There were so many people in her house having meetings. She had a small group in her house. And when the apostles came out of prison, they knew where to go. They went to her house straight away. So there's church in the house and there's church in the temple. Please, you understand? Lydia was responsible for some people. Romans. Look at Romans chapter 16, verse 3 to verse 5. Romans 16. 3 to 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. They had a church in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epaniotus, who is the first root of Achaia unto Christ. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. They had a church in their house. There must be a church in your house. There must be a church in your house. Yes. Look at Acts 20, 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. It's called the Acts 20, 20 principle. Hmm? The Acts 20, 20 principle. It's a principle of church in the temple or publicly and church in the house. And how I kept this part of it. says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Publicly was the meetings in the church. Then he says, and from house to house. He went from house to house. The house to house meetings were the cell meetings, the small, small groups that were in the church. I see it. Yeah. So that is a principle for the New Testament, and we must adopt it. If we don't adopt it, it's not going to work. Right now, what we have is that we have church here, isn't it? On Sundays. And we have church on Wednesdays in various places, handled by MC heads or pastors. But then apart from that, there must be smaller groups handled by you. We need you to help us. So I can fill the house of God because it's not just our burden, it's all of us our burden. Publicly, say publicly. And from house to house. Am I preaching to you? First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19. I'm showing you more scriptures about this. Okay. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you. Much in the Lord. With the church that is in their house. Same group, same Priscilla and Aquila. He makes reference to their house again. Then Colossians chapter 4, verse 15. Look at Colossians 4, 15. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea, and Nymphas, Nymphas, and the church which is in his house. 
Nymphas had a church in his house. Philemon 1, 2. They salute the brethren that are in his house. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And to our beloved Athea and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and, the, and to the church in thy house. There was a church in his house, Philemon's house. Hallelujah. So there must be a church in your house. So I want to define what the cell ministry is, okay, to you. So what is a cell? Do you want to know what a cell is? Let me define it to you and then, for you and then explain it. A cell, you have pen and paper. A cell is a small group in a church. A cell is a small group in the church. A cell is a small group in a church that consists of 2 to 12 church members. That consists of 2 to 12 church members. Are you a church member? A cell is a small group in the church that consists of 2 to 12 church members in an area, in an area, in an area, into brackets. So the area can be all of what I'm going to mention to you now. Locality, into bracket, locality, comma, office, comma, hostel, comma, class, comma, business environment, business environment, etc. Bracket close. A cell is a small group in a church that consists of 2 to 12 church members in an area, locality, office, hostel room, restaurant, under a tree, etc. You know what I said? That means on a weekly basis in a house, office, hostel room, in a restaurant, under a tree, etc. For the following specific purposes. For the following specific purposes. So there are some specific purposes for a cell meeting. If those, all the, the things I'm going to say are not happening there, it is not a cell meeting, it is something else. Hallelujah. Are you in the church? Do you feel you, you are in a classroom? Do you feel like you're in a classroom? Church is a classroom, actually. Yes. Church is not a place to come and have the pastor shout and then we go home. It's more than that. It's a place to learn. Hallelujah. So for the following specific purposes, right? Specific. Number one. Number one of the purposes. Fellowship. 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 Two, Bible study. Bible study. Three, prayer. Prayer. Four, evangelism and soul winning. Am I going too fast? Number one, fellowship. Number two, Bible study. Number three, prayer. Number four, evangelism and soul winning. Number five, showing of love and care for one another. 
showing of love and care for one another. Showing of love and care for one another. Sleeping is, is a sign of immaturity. It is. Both in the natural and in the spirit. Should I explain it to you? Naturally speaking, it is only children who sleep at all times. Is it true? Only children sleep at all times. We can be preaching like this and a baby will be asleep. Why? It's a baby. The shadow of the baby is not like the shadow of an adult. It's different. Praise the Lord. So, naturally speaking, it makes you a child. Spiritually speaking, it makes you a child as well. When a message is coming and you are asleep, there are too many scriptures I can show to you. That talks about sleep. <laughs> Paul was preaching. The Bible says he preached a long time. They went for the meeting in the morning, like we came to the meeting in the morning like this. And he started preaching. 12 o'clock, 12 p.m., he had not stopped preaching. 3, he had not stopped preaching. 6, he had not stopped preaching. 6 p.m., he had not stopped preaching. 9 p.m., he had not stopped preaching. 12 a.m., he had not stopped preaching. He was still preaching. He preached the following morning. One guy sitting in the meeting was so tired, he decided to go and stand at the back because he was feeling sleepy. When he stood at the back, he decided to sit on the window. There were no window frames. Maybe there were. He went through it. As he was, he was sleeping, he was sleeping, 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 then he fell down. It was a story building. Acts chapter 20, you see, I'm not lying. It's in the Bible. It was a story building. And he fell down his neck and died. In the church, third floor was, it was, it was two floors. So he was on the third floor. And he fell and died. And Paul went down. Thank God Paul was a preacher who could bring people back to life. If it was a preacher who could not bring people back to life, it would have been another problem altogether. Paul went downstairs, fell on him. The Bible says, and Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. He prayed for him, his life came back. And he went back upstairs and went to continue preaching. And when he, when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, so he departed. After bringing the guy back to life, you, you think you close the meeting. He went back to the meeting. Okay, let's go and sit down. When they went, they took communion and they continued. He preached till morning. Hey! This is, this is how church is supposed to be, if you don't know what I'm telling you. Have you been to SDA before? How many of you have gone to an SDA church before? What time do they close their service? 4 p.m. What time do they start? Around 9 a.m. Some start earlier. I know some that start at 7 and close at 5. Yes, 7 to 5. That is church. That is how it's supposed to be. That is what they did in the, in the Bible. That's how it's supposed to be. When we close at 12 or 1 and you are not happy, it's like there's something, it's like we are doing something wrong. I've not done anything wrong. <laughs> church, you see, the, the church is from, is from the Jews. Okay? Are you here? Say the church is from the Jews. The Bible says, Jesus said, salvation is of the Jews. So the salvation we know came out of Judaism. Jesus was a Jew. 
They are the ones to whom the promises were made. Okay? And all the 12 apostles were Jews. Jesus was a Jew, all his apostles were Jews, and then he came, came, came to the Gentile world and all of that. Okay? Now, the Jews have a custom that on the Sabbath, the Sabbath is Saturday. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Sunday is the first week of the day. We meet on the first week of the day because Jesus rose up on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And the church in the, Old Test in the New Testament started meeting on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16.1. Look at 1 Corinthians 16.1. So don't argue with anybody, okay? Now concern the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Next verse, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. They were meeting on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Saturday is the Sabbath. So in the Jew, in, among Jews, Saturdays, you don't work. You don't do anything natural. All you do is spiritual. So Saturdays is for God. So when they entered the temple on, on the Sabbath, and they were having their meetings on the Sabbath, that's on a Saturday. When they enter the temple on the Sabbath, they are in the temple till evening. You don't go anywhere. So when the church also started, they also picked the same thing and did the same thing on the first day of the week. So being in church for a long time is supposed to be normal. It's normal. Sundays are for God. Hello? If you want to accomplish anything for the Lord, we must do that. If you don't do that, it's not going to work. So don't sleep. Tell me, but don't sleep. I don't know how I got into that, but don't sleep. Be awake. Tell me, but be awake. Don't be in a hurry to go. Tell me, but don't be in a hurry to go. How many of you want to be like David? David. David said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. Do you have Reverend GFK Menses video? You have it. Prepare it and put it on for me in the next few minutes. I'll tell you when to put it on. There's a man of God in, in this country called Reverend GFK Mensa. He's one of the very old, powerful men of God that has been here for a long time. He knows the Bible. And he was talking to a certain church, Sem, to be specific. He was preaching and he was telling them something about the work of God and how to do the work of God and how not to do the work of God. I want you to see it. Maybe you've not seen it. I want you to see it. Take it as some, something coming from an older person. Maybe you think that I'm young, so I, I, it's not something I can say. So he will say it to us. But this is what I want you to know. A cell meets for these purposes, right? Number one is what? Number two is what? Number three? Number four? Number five? Wow. If you take number four out, it is not a cell. It is a Christian fellowship. If you take number four out, it is not a cell anymore. It is what? A Christian fellowship. A cell group is not a Christian fellowship. A cell group is not a place to meet for fellowship, for Bible study, for prayer, for caring for one another without evangelism and soul winning. No, a cell group is a place where all this happens and then 
evangelism and soul winning also happens. So all of us come together to evangelize and to win souls together in order, because without evangelism and soul winning, our cell will never grow. The way the church grows, okay, the way the church grows is by what? Is by adding more people to it, isn't it? So evangelism and soul winning is what brings more people in. Fellowship is very important. What is fellowship? Fellowship is fellows in the same ship. Fellows in the what? In the same ship. Fellowship has to do with communing with one another, sharing with one another. So when we are in a cell together, what it means is that I share with you, you also share with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And they continuing daily with one accord. This is the New, this is the New Testament church, when the church started. It says they all continued daily. They were with each other daily. Have you seen it? And when they were with each other in one accord, they weren't driving a Honda Accord. They were all together. That's what he's trying to say. Let's read the Amplified. And day after day, they, re they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and, gener and generous hearts. They were sharing with each other. So fellowshipping has to do with sharing with each other. Do you understand? Yes, sharing with it. So it is for that purpose. The cell is for that purpose. A place where you can share with people. Sometimes you have a word. But you come to church, I'll not give you the microphone to talk. One of our guys came to see me and said, one, day, one of these, I should give him the microphone to, sh to share something. But I will not give him the microphone. I, said, I told him, okay. Because he had, been church for two, he had been in church for two weeks. But I don't have plans of giving him the microphone. Until he grows and becomes a pastor and it is necessary to give him the microphone, I'll give him the microphone. Yes, I'll never give you the microphone to come and say something to, to, to distract the ears of the people who are hearing. It is not a congregation. Hey! What do you think? So I may never give you the microphone. So you'll never be able to share what is on your heart. Maybe God has given you a word to share, but you will never be able to share it with all of us. Because when I, can, when I finish preaching, we are giving announcements, we'll take offering, take tithes. It is planned. We, there's something happening away. We are done, we are going. If it's not a testimony you are coming to give, we'll never give you the microphone. Have you noticed it? Uh -huh. But on the small level, you can share what is on your heart. And amazingly, every child of God has something on their hearts to share. First Corinthians chapter 14. Let's read verse. Which verse do you like? Verse 30. Look at verse 30. First Corinthians chapter 14. Verse 30. King James, please. Am I preaching to you? Let's read from verse 26. It's, it's 30 is powerful, but let's read from verse 26. Down into 30. How is it then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you has a sound. It says when you come together, everybody, so not that we have come together, everybody has something to, everybody has a sound. Do you, do you understand a sound? A sound is a song. Everybody, every child of God says when we all come together, we, everybody has a sound. Everybody has a doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. Everybody has something that the Lord is teaching him. And he needs to share. Every one of you has a tongue. He's not saying you have a tongue. Tongue, tongue. He's talking about a, 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 a revelation by tongue speaking. These things are vanished in the church. It's vanished. Because there are no small groups. Because it is only the temple meetings that are allowed. Or have been happening and it's like that is all that is supposed to be it's not supposed to be like that if we don't give you the opportunity your the the gifts of the holy spirit inside you will never be developed 
You have a prophecy, but you never have the, you never give the, you can't develop your gift of prophecy. You are never given the opportunity. But on the small level, in the cell, you can do that. That can happen in the cell. Are you seeing it? What then, brethren? Is the right course? Is, is the right course? When you meet together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a disclosure of special knowledge or information, an utterance in a strange tongue, and in, or in an, an interpretation of it. But let everything be constructive and edifying, and for the good of all. Everybody has something to say. But you can't say it in the temple. But you can say it, you can do all those things on the cell level. Questions can be asked. We are supposed to be asking questions. But you can go to a church and for 20 years, no question and answers have happened in the church before. Have you noticed it? Yeah. yeah, at least every now and then we will do question and answers. But there are some churches, you can go there 20 years. You can't ask a question in the church because the opportunity is never created or it never comes up. But you have a question. Is it true? Yeah, yeah sometimes you have a question that is bothering your mind. You need to have somebody around you can ask. A godly person you can ask. A cell meeting provides that for you. Hallelujah. So fellowship has to, do, has to do with sharing. Sharing what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Apart from that, sharing even what belongs to you. Maybe you, maybe you are in church and you are struggling financially and nobody knows. You, you've not been able to open up to anybody. But on a, in a cell, you can open up and share to somebody that, oh, this is what is going on. I'm even struggling to have a place to sleep. Someone will organize something for you. Something can be done for you in a cell. Is it true? Yeah. If I know you don't have a place to sleep, I'll organize some for you. Someone came to see me. He's here somewhere. He came to see me after church. His pastor brought him and said, Pastor, he doesn't have a place to sleep. The following day, he was sleeping somewhere. Yeah. He was, he was happy. The fo- just the following day. We will never know if you don't talk. In the temple, you may not be able to, You can't stand up and say, Pastor, I don't have a place to sleep. It will look awkward. Everybody will look at you. But in the cell meeting, you can talk to somebody and say, Charlie, I'm struggling. Someone can share. They can share their finances with you. Let me show it to you. Acts chapter 4. Are you in the church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, from verse 33. And with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace... Loving kindness and favor and good will rest up, rested richly upon them all. It's nice when you're doing the right thing, eh? Do you know what I just saw? When I took a step like this, eh? I thought somebody was standing behind me. I thought someone had run to come and stand behind me. When I turned, I saw someone's leg and the person left. Hey! Church has spiritual things happening. The Holy Spirit told me it's an angel that is standing behind you. He said, if someone has eyes, a person would have seen them told you later. As he had need. Have you seen it? He says, those who, had, those who were possessors of lands. This was what was happening in the New Testament church. Those who had something. Sold them and brought them. So that those who didn't have something will have them. There was, there was no need. They, they, didn't, they didn't just share the word of God. They shared their properties. They shared their finances. They shared what belonged to them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's Christianity. Not coming to church when we close and you go away. Nobody knows what's going on with you. It's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. You must be known. We must know what's going on so that we can help you. You see, sometimes people feel that when, it, when they open up, you take advantage of them. No. Nobody will take advantage of you. We should know what's going on with you. 
We should know who your beloved is. Yeah. Working. We should know where you are working. Yeah. Someone must know where you are working. One, one old man who was in a cell, in a particular cell in a certain church, okay? Regular attendant. This particular day, she was not there. So when they finished the meeting, everybody noticed that she was not there because a, a cell meeting is normally small, two to 12, it's very few people. So you can't miss anybody. We can be here. If you are sitting here and this person is sitting here, you may not see that the, the, person, the other person even came to church. You may not know. You may be in an MC, but still don't know you because the MC is still big. But a cell group is smaller. So everybody can identify everybody. She was not in church, so she was not in a cell meeting. So they decided to go and find out what was going on there. When they got to her house, the whole place was closed. But they man the main gate was open, so they managed to go inside. When they went inside, they knocked on the door. There was no response. But as we were going, they heard from the back someone lying there and, gro and groaning. <laughs> so they broke the door, went in, and found the old woman dying. She was dying. They took her, took her to the hospital, and she became fine. Yes. That is the power of a cell, fellowship. Without fellowship, we'll not even know. You can't, you, something will happen to you, we don't know. If somebody is connected to you and you are not connected to anybody, we don't know what's going on with you. One of our brothers had a, a, a problem and was rushed to the hospital recently, about maybe two weeks ago. One of our sisters went to visit last Sunday. Okay? Now, one of the text messages I received was that his friends were saying, doesn't the church care about him? That was a text. Does the church care about him? It's not that the church does not care about him. Nobody knows what is going on because his closest friends are not church people in church. His closest friends are people somewhere else. So something has happened to him for one week and we don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because your closest friends are people who are somewhere. It's not that we don't care. You have not made us your friend. You have not made us, you, you don't share with us. You don't share your life with us. You only come and go. Am I preaching? You only come and go. We don't know. We don't know anything. When we close now, you want to leave. When we call you, oh, I'm coming. I'm not coming. You, you, you are swerving. You are doing this. You are doing that. It's not supposed to be like that at all. We must know you so that whatever help can be given to you will be given to you. Why should I give money to someone who is outside the church when you are here and you, need, you have the same luck? Why should you do that? When you are here and you have a problem, I see what I'm talking about. Yes. So they shared. That's fellowship. Number two is what? Bible study. I was talking about it. We need to sit and hear. Acts chapter 18. Look at Acts chapter 18. Let's read verse. Let's read 24 to 25. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. This guy was mighty in the scriptures. Came to Ephesus. Next verse. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. So he knew the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So this guy called Apollos was mighty in scripture. He knew the scriptures. And he knew Jesus. But he only knew one thing. He knew only the baptism of John. And the baptism of John is not what brings salvation. Do you understand? Huh? In other words, he was talking about the coming of Christ and how Christ had come, but he didn't know about salvation. Look at the next verse. 
And he began to, be, to speak boldly in the synagogue. Speaking boldly. Whom when, Priscilla, when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, when they heard him and expounded unto him, he says, they took him unto them. They took him and sat him down and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Amplified. Maybe you, you, you don't understand it. Let's read in the Amplified. He began to speak freely, fearlessly, and boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him with them and expounded to him the way of God more definitely and accurately. They heard him speaking, but they realized that he doesn't know a lot of things. He's making a lot of mistakes. He doesn't understand the, the scriptures. He's mighty the scriptures, but he doesn't understand the scriptures. He's bold, but he doesn't understand the scriptures. What did they do? They took him and sat him down. They brought him into their house. Remember, Priscilla and Aquila had a house where teaching was known to be done. They sat down and had some Bible teachings with them. They expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly and accurately. Without sitting with somebody to, to teach you and to help you, you may not learn as you're supposed to. So we do Bible study inside the cell. Are you listening? Yeah, so that you can have understanding. I remember where I was when I started understanding the end times, the, the, the doctrine of eschatology. Do you know eschatology? The end times. I remember where I was. Reverend George preached it somewhere in 2010, and I was in that meeting for three hours, three and a half hours. And I paid attention, I started understanding it. Then after the meeting, we sat down. When we sat down, we started talking. There were three of us. No, there were, more, there were about 12 of us in that meeting. And he was talking and explaining it some more and showing us some other places and all of that. That was when I understood it. It took sitting down and listening intently for me to understand. You, you can't deceive me when it comes to eschatology. I know it by God's grace. But it took sitting down. Someone had to teach me Bible study. I had to be taught. And I'm always being taught. Yes. So that happens in a, in, a, in a cell meeting. Then prayer. Without prayer, you will not grow together with Christians. Pray, the one you pray with is the one you become close to. When we pray, the more we pray together, the more we rub off. I rub off on you, you rub off on me. Do you understand? If I give you a hug and you go to somebody who knows my perfume, the person will know that you've been with me. Is it true? Because when you give someone a hug, you rub off. Your perfume rubs off on the person. The person's perfume rubs off on you. That's what prayer does. Prayer is what makes you rub off. Christian character is developed through prayer and praying with other Christians. It's not by looking at them. Hey, so they don't lie. They don't do this. No, you will lie. You will do all the other foolish things. But when we pray together, the more we pray together, the more we rub off. The more you pick from me, the more I pick from you. Are you seeing it? The one you pray with, you become what? You become one with. The one you pray for, you have influence over. So if you want to have influence in the area, we must pray for the area. If you want to have influence over people, we must pray for the people. Are you seeing it? Huh. Prayer, so important. And it happens in a cell, in a cell meeting. The next one is what? Evangelism or what? And so winning. Without this, it's not a cell. All that I've described can happen in any small group. You can have it happening among the choir. The choir people can organize prayer and pray among themselves. Do you pray among yourselves? Yeah. What else do you do? You fellowship. You know their problems, isn't it? They also know your problems. Which one? 
You take communion. Bible study. You do Bible study. But it's not a cell. It's a choir. If you add evangelism and soul winning to it, you are a cell. Evangelism and soul winning is the key thing that makes a cell a cell. Without that, it is something else. Hallelujah. So apart from us meeting for fellowship, praying, and um, what? Bible study and all of that. We must organize ourselves. If we are just to, we must organize ourselves to do evangelism and win souls. Bring people in to join our group. So inviting your friends to join the cell is not a cell. You must do the work of bringing people, preaching to people, winning them, and bringing them to the house of God, and gathering them to the house of God. That is what makes it a cell. Without that, it's not a cell. Hallelujah. Then, the last one is what? Showing love and care. So important. It's a place to show love. Show your love to somebody. Not another kind of love. It's a place to show Christian, godly love and care. Because everybody needs to be loved and cared for. Did you get that? Have you been blessed? Have you learned anything? If you have any question, you can ask me. If there's any question on your heart, you can ask me about what I've said so far. Are you glad I've shared what I've shared with you? Have you learned anything? Do you know what to do now? Ask anybody, do you know what to do now? What are your plans? Ask anybody, what are your plans? Okay, since you don't have a question, let's watch the video. And then I will continue, okay? You see, there is a certain way in which we are doing this work. You don't do your own work. Many businessmen in this country, especially Adenta, Trafraha, uh, Aimensa area. You see, there is a certain way in which we are doing this work. By four you don't do your own work like that. They are on the road. You see that you are late. You are late. Why? It is their own work. They are being paid for it. Therefore, they are agents. They get up early, get into the car, rush. I know women who feed their children in the car while they are driving them to school. I know schools where women, working women come and leave their children at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., go to work so that the security will look after the children for them. You see? How are you doing God's work like that? Why, why are you doing God's work like that? Why are you not ashamed that you do your work that way you do God's work the way you are doing why? Why? Church of God, why? He bought you with blood. And that's how you are treating him. Your workplace didn't buy you with blood. They didn't even pay your school fees. And you are giving them that. Shame. 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 You see, Jeremiah chapter 48 verse 10. It says, cares is anyone. Who does the Lord's work with lazy, slack hands? Jeremiah chapter 48 ah. verse 10. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. Yes. And cursed be he that keepeth back his sword A Proverbs chapter life. 18 verse 9 says, A lazy person who works with a slack hand is a friend of the enemy. Because you, you, you are actually destroying the work. If, you, you see? Proverbs 18 9. He also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great wisdom. You see? 
why, why, why are we behaving like this? You are first a Christian before a lawyer. You are first a Christian before a doctor. You are first a Christian before a banker. You are first a Christian before a nurse. You are first a Christian before a teacher. You are first a Christian before you are an accountant. You have no rights. What do you mean? Did you, are you the person who brought the gospel? What do you mean? Do you think God owes you a service? What do you mean? Why do you want to bluff the person who bought you with his blood? Why? Why are we treating him this way? At this pace, this work can never be finished. With church members who are dispassionate, you know, disinterested, when it's their work, they get up 4 a.m. When it's God's work, they don't have time. What do you mean? I'm using it. So the cell must be involved in evangelism and so winning. It's God's work. We have to do it. And the Lord reward us for it. After all is said and done, your car will not mean anything. Your house will not mean anything. Your boyfriend will not mean anything. Your husband will not mean anything. Your children will not mean anything. None of those things will mean anything. It will just be you and the Lord. What are you going to say to him? So don't let anything be excuse, an excuse for you. It's, it's a lovely work. It's a blessing. And there's nothing like seeing it work. When you see it bearing fruits, you see people in the house of God because of your effort. It brings so much joy to you that nobody can take from you. Hallelujah. So, we are going to get it done, okay? Hello? I said we are going to get it done, right? God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.